Good morning, good day, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome back to our fourth podcast. Yep, good morning. So this is going to be a humdinger of a podcast. I know people really enjoyed the last one. Um, made them think about themselves and how uh, we judge others. And the same measure that we use, it will be measured back to us. So definitely um, a good interaction. And I, I don't know what... I really try every week not to think about things that we're going to talk about. There are some things that come to mind, but I try to say, you know what, let it just happen organically. So what organically is on your mind today? Uh, Actually, there there isn't anything. So um, I know we've had a few discussions, but uh, you made an interesting point this morning about something about the, um, uh, the, the voices that people can actually... The AI can actually mimic people's voices. And so tell me more about that. Well, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, and he was saying that he sent off his voice to an AI company who took his voice and all the tonations, and they repeated exactly what he read with using AI. And they used the voices of Leonardo DiCaprio and a few other famous people, and they've done David Attenborough as well, um, you know, the mm. man mm. who talks about okay, enough, the enough. most amazing okay. feats of okay. nature. Yes. Yes, him. And he, they they've co- can completely emulate it. So it was just another reminder for me today that not everything you see, not everything you hear, and not everything you are told is true. And the only thing that we really can 100% trust and believe really is the Word of God. Because you don't know what's being manipulated by man, especially in this, stage, at this day and age of media. So, so you know, you, 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 I know you listen to a lot of podcasts. So, And I, the one that you're referring to is Mike Adams, right? <laughs> I was trying to avoid saying his name, but yes, Mike Adams, the health ranger. Oh, okay. It's, it's one of your faves, right? He's my favorite, but but I think he's out there for a lot of people. Okay. But the reason I like him is because he was the first, r- literally, the first guy kicked off of YouTube and social media back in, I think it was 2010, between 2010 and 2014, he, he was kicked off completely. And he was... Uh, censored because he was talking about alternative therapies for cancer treatment. And he then was, uh, he, he, he was impacted so much by this that he thought, you know what, I need to do something myself. And so he has this team of people who analyze every kind of food that you can imagine. So they'll analyze almonds and lentils and they'll see how how toxic these products are how much glyphosate how much lead how much how many chemicals and they will if they say it's organic it's 100 percent organic but the other thing he did is he created a whole uh server which would benefit his platforms brighteon uh is the, one of his platforms brighteon social brighteon tv so none of it is held on the amazon servers it's all managed internally. And so I think the benefit of all the censorship is that it's created a void for real journalists to have a 
platform where they can speak the truth because I, I heard something like um, uh, 50% of the or, uh, 50% of the subscribers of Washington Post have left um, the, the you know all these big media companies that have been famous for so many years are losing their subscribers and they're losing yeah, their because business. Yeah, I, I think you can I think people are smart enough they can see the fakeness and how the media has is basically a a an arm for the polit- political parties mm-hmm. and uh, thereby driving the agenda so people are fed up of hearing the same old um, push for the last few years and I think you know, uh, whether you like Trump or don't like Trump, the, the reality is he did keep pushing the fact that fake news and actually opened pe- many people's eyes to the fakeness that's out there, the hypocrisy that's out there, that some things are covered. And anything to do with Christian stuff, it seems to be suppressed or, or mocked, mm-hmm. ridiculed. But anything to do with evil stuff, it seems to be covered up. And don't look here. And I, and I, and I you know what? Only if, if we had... If it, one day maybe we talk about the Epstein files that have disappeared or are hidden, and you know those that thing, sort of kind of thing, would have should have been aired for the public to see. Exposed. Just just like everything else is, mm-hmm. right? Especially that's such a, such a big, big um, topic. So um, yeah, but, but like going back to the fact that you're on a number of platforms, like whether it's podcasts. Why do you do that? Why do you listen to... Because, frankly, I, I can't listen to this, this new stuff. Because this... this, You know, whether it's left-wing or right-wing, it, some of them are so negative. You know what I'm saying? And it feels like it sucks the life out of me as I'm listening to this. I can't. So, I, frankly, I have to watch... I have to watch... Some of these Christian videos I can't even watch because it's, it's always about death or dying or suppression or suffering. And it's like... It's like... And you get emotionally attached to these things. So how do you do it? Um, because I, I don't. So so so. And I, for me, I have to read the Bible. I've spent time with the Lord. I know that you do that too. But I can't allow those things to sap my energy um, or, or sap the life. And I know Paul says, um, meditate on these things that are good and, and pure and all these. Mm-hmm. So so. T- so tell me, what are your thoughts? I think that's an interesting thought. I know we've had this conversation many times because you wonder, why are you listening to this? How does this benefit you? And one of the prayers, both of us always pray, mm-hmm. and I pray this often. I say, Lord, I don't want to get to heaven and find out I've missed a whole lot of stuff on earth. So if there are things in the scripture that I need to yeah, know or missing. Yeah. But likewise, I also don't want to live in the dark in this world. And I think what's happened is that scripture you just quoted where it says, focus on things that are good and evil. No, no, good good Uh, and Sorry, focus on things that are good, I mean not evil, and pure, and we can even read that scripture. Focus, the word is focus. Focus on them. In other words, put your, your mind and your thoughts. And so when I am reading scripture, when I'm praying, I, I use that focus. When I'm listening to these other things, it's not that I listen to them to focus on them. I read them and listen to them so that I'm aware of what's going on in the world. It's so that I'm aware of what's going on. Because Christians typically, and people, can become so obsessed with their life, with running on the, on the hamster wheel, with doing the same thing every single day, that they're oblivious to what's going on in the world. 
And the fact is, the enemy has a strategy. And the enemy has been working with that strategy for, we know, at least 6,000 years on mankind to rob mankind of, of the truth of who they are in Christ, to steal, to kill, and destroy, just like it says in John 10.10. 10. And if I'm just living in my little, protected, innocent, naive, Christian life and only focusing on things that are good, I don't know what I'm fighting against. And I cannot put on my weapons of warfare and I cannot go in and, and, and take the kingdom if I don't know what's going on. So many of the people, all the people I listen to are all Christians, but they are Christians who are active in taking back the kingdom for, of God. And so... Let me take back the kingdom of God. What, do you, what does that mean? So, the kingdom of God is here through through his believers and it's not by what they're doing. It's, it's, so what are they doing that's expanding the kingdom of God? What are they the doing? The people I listen to or, yeah. the, or, the, or, yeah, or say, how it helps me? You say taking back the kingdom. Well, mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, if you think about North America, especially Canada and the United States, both countries were founded by very strong Christian men and women. The pilgrims came here. Why? They came to get away from the monarchy uh, and, and, and control in, in, in Britain. And they came as very strong Christians. They, as they landed, they prayed on, over the land. Um, they trusted the Lord. And this, this land was built on, Christ, on Judeo-Christian principles, even at the Ca- Canadian Parliament buildings. They have verses, biblical verses, engraved into the sides of the building. And what's happened is Christians have spent so much time just focusing on themselves and uh, that they've, they've given territory to, to the enemy. And now you look at the... We, I mean, do you think we live in a, a Christian nation of Canada? Well, I would say that Canada is bad, but I don't think there's such a thing as a Christian country in the world. There are, are some countries or some countries that have a bit more um, Christian principles and and I would say the countries that you want to live in are those that have more Christian principles. That's why people are moving from... Um, the Middle East to the US and Canada and places like that because the place that they live in it, it sucks and I just use that word it sucks and then they come to come over to Christian um, country or should I say a, a a country that's founded on Christian principles and they enjoy this life because the fact is it gives you freedom because the Christian viewpoint uh, is really freedom it's the freedom to choose where Everybody else is not. It is, it's always a some kind of governing. Um, and so the Christian gives you a principle of freedom and also gives you a protection of, 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 of um, what's the word, um, the ability to, to, to grow and develop um, as the Lord intended you to be. Versus saying, no, this is how you are. Pitching you hold you in a certain category, whether you're a male or you're a male or a female or whether you're a certain class or certain um, um, economic status, but it gives them the, the ability to be, have freedom. And I, I do believe it's the Christian uh, Christians that actually do this. But is, are Canada and the U.S. more Christian today than ever before? Oh, ever before? I don't know. I wasn't around back in the day. But all I know but is... But you can see the fruit of it. Yeah, I know. I, I can see the fruit, and it, and it seems to be getting worse. Let me be clear. It's getting worse. It seems like they... they persecute Christians more than they persecute any other religion in Canada. Okay, so how do we get, how did Canada get from being a Christian nation 
to a place where Christians are persecuted. And that's what I mean by taking it back, because we've lost ground. If you had a look at it from a strategy of war, the Christians have lost ground. What have the Christians done? They've, they've stayed out of government. They've stayed out of education. They've stayed out of finance. And, and <clears throat> many Christians don't live their faith as a Christian in the secular world. They've separated, this is where I go to church on Sunday. This is what I do the rest of the week. And that's not what the, what the life of living in the kingdom is. And that's what I mean by taking it back. Okay, and okay. so that's why all these people that I listen to, many of the people I listen to, are Christians who are saying we need to have uh, take back the Christian Judeo culture, which is believes strongly in, like you said, freedom, principles of family, the value of life, value value life, value individuals. The individual is important as opposed to this group think that because everybody says something there, you got to follow it. No moral principles of what is good and what is evil but it's based on the scriptures right it's based on the scriptures not based on oh i feel so because no no feelings because imagine if, if so you go to the the, uh, the amazon and um their moral compass may be different that's right yeah so based on the scriptures but i mean then we could go back into everybody thinks that they understand the scriptures differently but i think the principles of right and wrong are very clearly laid out and and that's what we need to return to okay well to, talking about right and wrong um, have you had a, um, uh, I noticed this week that there was some kind of dialogue on, and you're a little bit upset. I don't know, was it because, I, maybe just, I wonder if you should just like go out and just say it, but it's. Well, it says controversial corner. Yeah, well, the um, Calvinism doctrine. What are your thoughts on the Calvinistic doc doctrine? Because, yeah, go ahead. You know, I, I don't want to be like uh, many of my Christian brothers and sisters who, who persecute and criticize the way people believe. And so I want to say up front that I understand why many people follow the Calvin principles. But I want to say... But wait a minute. What, what, okay. Don't just say I understand why. Why? Because I, I want to be clear. I believe that the Calvinistic doctrine is from Satan and it, it matches the Islamic doctrine to the T except for Christ because both of them are based on fatalism in other words it happens by fate that God chooses some and chooses doesn't but it's up to God to choose and God puts people in families it's, it's all pre-programmed um, from the very beginning and so I know I, I'm, I'm pushing that out there because I know yes and as you said it my whole body cringed in like oh what are people here thinking and hearing but yes Okay. So, but why, why, why would you say that? Why would I say what? That I understand where they're coming from. But you from. had a struggle this week. I, I really get, struggled. And I even watched a movie that explained the whole concept of Calvinism. And I thought, you know, I'm going to spend some time. I, I want to understand. I don't want to be critical. Because most people who are critical of things, they, they'll just criticize without listening. I do my research. I, I, I did a docu watched a documentary. I listened to a sermon. No, but you know this before. We've, we've I know we have. I know. But I thought, years, okay, right? let me, you know, I've grown. Let me just re revisit, revisit. And I've come to the conclusion that many Calvinists have made John Calvin an idol. And what, okay, when you say idol, what do you mean, idol? Is that everything that they believe pivots back to things that John Calvin wrote. Versus the scripture. Which, which is built on, on Martin Luther of the Reformation. So Martin Luther would be the one who started it. And then they believe John Calvin 
elevated it. And so John Calvin is like, I would say they even call him, is like their cornerstone. But Martin Luther didn't, didn't agree with, a, well, Martin Luther's belief was more in terms of free will, not yes, the Calvinism, well, no, which is the fatalism. It was like, the salvation by grace. The message of salvation by grace yes. is the significant catchphrase. But it's not by grace. That's my funny thing. Is when you say the grace, let me be clear, the Calvinistic idea about grace isn't that we choose. It's no, it's by the grace of God. He has chosen and you have nothing really at the end of the day to do with exactly. it. Exactly. And so but if we have anything Luther to do with it, never had that. but they yeah. would say that anything, if we think that we have any part in it, then it's not grace. I even saw a quote, a quote this week. If, 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 if we believe we have any part in, in salvation, then it's not grace because it's not, it's not freely given. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. It also sounds to me as we have a doctrine that puts itself above, above the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And I know I've, I've, I've been in these encounters like for the last 25 years of my life. Mm-hmm. And, and you say, well, why, why, I know, why do I think it's the, the doctrine of Satan? I would say because it robs believers of their responsibility to do. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, the idea at the end of the day on Calvinism is that God is the one. So it's like this. I go out and I preach because the Bible says go out and preach. I go out and I preach. But this is how I think. I'm going to preach. But not, I know that not everybody I'm speaking to that God is going to save. Because God already knows who's going to respond. Not only who he knows, but God has chosen them ahead of time and even our family members so if someone doesn't get doesn't get saved it's because they have god has chosen them so god has really chosen who's going to go to hell and who is not so i am just doing this as being obedient but i know that i haven't got this i don't have this urgency to push people to believe i don't have this urgency to fight for people because it's, it's God. If God wants to heal, he'll heal. If God doesn't want to heal, he won't. And walk around with this, everything I put into God's hands. Versus, a, if I had somebody that worked with me, you talk about ownership, right? And someone that worked with me, and they say, well, you know, um, whatever Andre says, you know, it's, if, he, if he wants to do it, he'll do it. If he doesn't want to do it, he doesn't do it. What kind of ownership do, does he have? The, the Calvinistic is like this. They want God to not only knock on the door, but they want God to open up the door and then go in and do everything for the person. That's the issue with the Calvinistic doctrine. That's why I say it's a doctrine of Satan because it robs people of their responsibility. You will never see a Calvinist operating in the power of God. I'm going to say this again. You'll never see them operating in the power of God and they'll always fight against Two main things. The one, the power of God, where it says these are the signs that follow those that believe. They will fight against that. They'll say it's gone, it's old. And the second thing is they'll always fight with the fact that man cannot make a good choice at all because they are born in sin. And I would say to them, um, tell me something. When God in Genesis 4 verse 7 says to Cain, Cain, rule over sin. Do you think he was joking? No, because the Lord does not give us commandments to do if we are unable to fulfill them. Yeah, but but guess what? My Calvinistic friends have said, yeah, well, uh, I'm not sure if the friends are with me now anymore, but, but they did say to me, well, you know what? 
God said it to him, Cain, but he knew he couldn't do it. I'm thinking, why would God say that? It's like I said to my child, you can go through the door, but I've locked it and no way it's going to get in and out. What kind of father am I? Yeah. And, and what and, kind of father would you be if you if you say, oh, some of your of your children are are going to be saved and some aren't? How does that line up with the fa- the God the Father God that we see, who's well, extended His hand to the all all of the world? Well, uh, well, and going back to the fact that you know they'll, they'll say, well, it's impossible. It's impossible for you to be able to accept the Lord without the Lord. And I, I agree with that because the the fact is God's plan is number one. Mm-hmm. There's four things for for salvation. Um, and I could say the fifth one, but let's just say four things for now. One is God is makes the plan. We haven't made the plan. Number two, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts us. We don't convict ourselves. The Holy Spirit is in our life. And He's working on all, everybody all the time, as Scripture says in John. Yeah, John 16, 16 right? Yeah. And then, Bible says we have to respond. We have to. We have to say. Yes. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Yes. Yeah, but, exactly. And also, um, the Bible says it's the will of God that all, all be, be saved. saved. It's His will. It's His will. Don't tell me it's His will that some are saved. No, it's His will that all be saved. Mm-hmm. However, not everybody chooses Him. Okay? And then, once people accept Him as their, uh, um, as their Lord and believe in their heart, then what happens is now, obviously, the Holy Spirit helps them. Because you can't say... Jesus Christ is Lord without the Holy Spirit. Okay? But there is a point. This point number three is valid. It's very, very important that they need to respond and, and acknowledge and say yes. Because in Revelation it says, I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice. In other words, he's doing the knocking, but who's opening the door? Okay, so you say, well, don't you tell this to your, your Calvinistic friends? And, that, and you, I have told them this. And guess what they say to me? What? Well, you know, God knows if you were going to get up and open the door. Right? But that's or they'll say, I hold it in tension. But then I say, well, and I say, well, what happened in um, Deuteronomy 30 where the Lord says, I set before you life and death. Choose life. So can they choose life? There's of course. A choice. Yeah. What about David did a lot of good things. Abraham did a lot of good things. And I would say to you, you know, in the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. guess what? Adam and Eve didn't know sin. Okay, they, they didn't know any sin. They were perfect. It perfect. was perfect. perfect. And it was good. Perfect environment, perfect creation. So how is it that they could make an evil choice? No, but um, our no, 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 friends you. will tell you that God planned that they were going to make that choice. So he planned it because he needed he needed a way for the, his, his salvation plan and redemption to work what, through. What, what kind of father do they think we serve? Where, where God himself was so angry with Adam for doing this. And he, he's like, he is a, um, I don't know what, what do you call it, sadistic? Sadistic, or? sadistic manipulative. Yeah, you, th- you think that, that's why I say their doctrine of Calvinism is of the devil. Because okay. their God that they serve it's looks true. like the devil. Because the devil does that. He right? manipulates. He manipulates. He's the one that, when I say manipulates, he is the one that um, would like, just like, like he, he gives and he takes away. Mm-hmm. And I know you're talking about Job, but Job was the one that, when he suffered, it was suffered at the hands of the enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's another topic for another day, and we're going to cover but Job. But also, I was future. thinking, how many times do we see in Scripture where the Lord repented of something that he did? Which tells me that oh, okay, he did. When, okay, firstly, you're referring to Moses, right? Well, firstly, okay, he was very upset with Adam and Eve. Very upset with what they did. So... If he had planned that, why was he so upset? And then he pronounced all these these curses on them. So, 
you telling me that he forced them to to to, to make a bad choice so that he could put curses on them so that he could send his son? I, I don't think. Oh, but then it goes into this argument. What don't you think God knows all things? Therefore, God knows. Notice that the, the superiority superiority of doctrine over scripture. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily see that in the scripture, but you have this elevation of God. Could God have chosen not to know? I will tell my my brothers and sisters. Could he have chosen not to know? There are some things that is in God's power, not in our power. Mm-hmm. Yet, why are we trying to think, oh, that person, God would have known that thing. Well, why well, are you thinking from God's perspective? It's so arrogant. If this is what he's doing, this is what he did. I was also thinking about in Genesis, uh, is it 6, with Noah, mm-hmm. where God said, I have repented of making, like, I, 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 he was repenting of making man. And that's why he sent the flood, because he saw the... The, the the depravity of man and um and sleep, uh, you know with the fallen angels there was another time he was he he was upset when um they were the Israelites were in the wilderness and he said to Moses I'm just going to wipe them out I'm done I'm done with these people I'm just wiping them out yeah and yeah. Moses actually changed his mind and the other one I was thinking of when he made Saul king um he didn't want a king for the the Israelites the mm-hmm. Israelites said oh, we want a king, we want to be like the other nations. And yeah. God said, no, I've got a system, I've got a system. The judge system is what works. No, we want a king, no one want a king. God says, okay, you want a king, I'm going to choose. So he chooses Solomon, then he says, Saul. I mean Saul. He chooses Saul, and then he says, oh, he, 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 he was, you know, I wish I hadn't chosen Saul. So I've just given three off the top of my head. So there's, there's a lot of times, <laughs> there's even the fact that God says to, to, to Moses um, you, that I want to take you into a land flowing with milk and honey. Did Moses ever get there? Did yeah. any of the people, a lot of the people didn't get there. So can you imagine Moses going to the uh, Israelites and saying, Oh, the Lord's going to take you to land flowing with milk and honey. This is God's desire. So then the Calvinists would say, Well, that was God's plan all along. So he was just telling Moses, I'm going to take you there. And then he just said, No, no, because then we make him a liar. And God says. And God says very clearly in the scripture, notice something, God says in the scripture very clearly. That's because of the disobedience. Mm-hmm. That's why they were wandered around in the wilderness because of their disobedience. In other words, not they God's, made a choice. They made the choice. Mm-hmm. Though I walked through the valley of, of death, they made the choice. Mm-hmm. Not God made the choice for them. Oh, but God knew these things. Why are we trying to be so arrogant and and thinking? Oh, like as if we God and if um, we make we have a doctrinal. Well, not should I say the Calvinistic thinking has this doctrinal view that God knows all things, he can do all things, therefore God ordains rape because if it's, that's a consequence of sin um, per person that actually, at the end of the day, if God's in control of everything then when a person sins, actually it is God's will that they sin because God had is, a plan, that had we a plan for them. Yeah. But then I can't understand why you bother praying as a Calvinist. Oh, of course. Why, why do Calvinists bother praying? Exactly. Because if you're praying your will be done on earth as it is in heaven if he's going to do it anyway, and we know his will, and we know that what he's doing is not, because it's not what heaven looks like. The place we're living right now is not what heaven looks like. So we want his will to be done on earth like it is in heaven. It's not being done. And what's stopping it? So that's where you get this. That's why I say there's, there's this, this push against the authority that God has given us and the responsibility that God has given us. And because of that kind of mindset, person doesn't do anything they just sit back and they go oh, well you know what I'm, I'm saved and you know what I and then the funny thing is I find a lot of times that they are the ones that question other believers they're the ones that say oh that person it wasn't saved in the first place or that I'm thinking what about you how do you know that you are saved 
Tommy, oh, I believe. You can do mental gymnastics and jumping up and down and I believe and I believe it. And you can do this like the, the Buddhists do. They can believe and they can, and they can con continue to confess. That doesn't change the fact. Are you saved from the scripture? How do you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Bible says in Revelation, I would love to say, read Revelation 2 and Revelation 3. He talks to the church. He's not talking to atheists. He's talking to the church and he says, He who overcomes will be saved. He who overcomes mm -hmm. will be saved. In other words, yes, we are all betrothed to Christ. Right now, we're all betrothed. We're believers. We are betrothed. Like we we are, trust Him as our Lord and Savior. We recognize what He did on the cross for but us. But the final, at the point of death, the question is, are you, do you, have you remained faithful to the Lord? People can still turn away from the Lord. And that's what scares people. Mm -hmm. Can they turn mm -hmm. away? Mm -hmm. But the fact is, if you're trusting in the Lord and you're leaning on Him, He is the one that sustains you. Not your mental gymnastics, I want to feel good about myself. So do you, do you recognize anything good from, from the Calvinism doctrine? How's that for a controversial question for you? You know, I, I, I would say the, the positive... Okay. Now, I've seen two types of, of Calvinists, two main two types in my life. And someone said, are you an Armenianist? I don't know what Armenianist is. Yeah, they bring I'm not following Jacob as Armenian. I don't know who. I look at the scriptures. That's where I come to the That's conclusion. Right. I don't know what he believes. But the fact is, everybody points to Calvin. These guys point to Calvin. They point to That's the... That's why I say he's an idol. That's why I say he's an idol. Held. I don't imitate John Calvin. I imitate Christ. That's what Paul tells me to yeah, do. Yeah, and look at what Christ does mm -hmm. through power. I'm a long way from that, but that's who I am. We, we try, imitate. right? Yes. The Bible says yep. the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Mm -hmm. So I find, genuinely speaking... Um, the two types, you were saying. The two, two types. types. The, the generally the, the, the people that are... Um, are super active, which I love. In yes, fact, me too. They are super active in pushing, even though they it's they believe this. They still believe that uh, they have a moral responsibility, and they push whether it's um, in in councils or stuff. They Government, push, yeah. education, yes, and 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 they, they 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 try to follow the law of God. And they're actually very vocal. They they're more bolder, I would say, sometimes than the other counterparts. Okay, so that's one part. Then you get the other Calvinists that they are so self-righteous, and you say, "Well, you sound self-righteous." You know, we sound self-righteous, but they, but their self-righteousness is not based on the Scripture. It's based on other doctrines. For example, the Westminster what's it called? Catechism. Westminster Catechism. The Heidelberg Catechism. Oh, oh they're, they're, they're quoting these things, and, and you go, "Give me the Scripture." It's the will of God that all be saved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and it just becomes this kind of doctrinal argument, and then any time you get pushed, God is sovereign. And then you ask them what God's sovereign, they they, they give you this God. Well, isn't God doesn't know all things? Mm -hmm. And I'm saying well, God knows all things, but he he could have chosen not to know. We're not supposed to be thinking like God thinks, are yeah, that's we? Arrogant. Or should we be thinking like God thinks? We're not God. The key thing is, we are not God. We are God's children. And we need to do what He says and what's on His heart. And, and that's why I even feel when it comes to people suffering in li in life, whether it's in relationships, in finances, in health, in situations, in jobs, the Calvinist would say that every situation that a person is facing is sent to them by God. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like if you're in a, if one is in a situation where 
one is struggling in life in a relationship and you feel well this is God's lot for me he's just sent this to me this is how I'm going to this is how I'm going to live it's such a defeatist uh, there's no victory in it it's just so depressing like I, 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 I just struggle with that concept because the Lord doesn't say you know that he's going to send the trials and tribulations he says in this life you will face trials and tribulations. When Paul faced trials and tribulations, it wasn't the Lord sending it to him. It was people... Well, someone could say the thorn in the flesh, right? <clears throat> well, we, well, that's a whole other podcast. But uh, one thing uh, that you know people interpret as thorn in the flesh, but you and I both know. Yeah, and by the way, the thorn in the flesh is not actually a physical ailment, as some translations have mentioned. Mm-hmm. The thorn in the flesh is referring to people coming against Paul and hurting and him. Buffeting him and buffeting yeah. him, and, and yes, in his weakness... He's made strong. In other words, in his the fact that he's unable in his in his own strength mm-hmm. to overcome, that's when he's strong. That's when he lets the Lord lead. And I think that's the key message of what Paul is saying is is we need to just let the Lord lead. Let's keep doing, mm-hmm. keep pushing, mm-hmm. and use the authority that God has given us. And uh, and when we get knocked around by people from through persecution, you know what? That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know what? It's, and if we co-laborers. That means that, well, like, I, I'm, I'm your wife, I'm a helper, I'm a helpmate, that's what the scripture says. My job is to say, okay, how do I make your life easier? What do I do to help make your life easier? So if we co-laborers with the Lord, it's like the Lord is there to say, okay, what do you need me to do? How, how can I help? And, and, and Lord, I need you to remove this barrier. I need you to open this. And sometimes we, we don't know if that's the right barrier to move, but he guides us, he directs us, but we keep walking. Mm-hmm. We keep walking. He's not trying to put barriers in our way to achieve what he wants us to achieve. Yeah, I, I do believe God is a good father. And I, <laughs> well, it says, it says he's the father of, of lights with whom there's no shadow or turning. And, and when I look at Yeshua, how he teached and, and how he um, handled other people, he's in the, the image of God. Mm-hmm. He walked in power. He um, he was setting the captives free, and I think that's the key thing. Is and so you say, why do we have the responsibility? Why do we have the authority? It's really at the end of the day, is to set the captives free. Luke four seventeen, right? Yeah, and, and so they go, and that's really uh, the Bible says, imitate Christ, right? We need to imitate Christ, and one Corinthians eleven. So we need to imitate him, and how do we imitate him? Mm-hmm. Well, to set the captives free, and I think that's what what we are to do, and so when the, and the only way we can do that, the only way is through the power of Holy Spirit, through the authority that is mm-hmm. given. But if, for example, the, uh, that's suppressed because of doctrine, then not only are we quenching the Holy Spirit, but we are grieving the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So now so now the conclusion is, okay, now what? What do we do? I think the key thing is, let us continue shining light. Let's mm-hmm. just continue mm-hmm. being, let's not get caught up in this kind of stuff uh, you know, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, I can say that the Calvinistic brothers and sisters that I know, they do have a passion and a desire for the Lord. And, you know, the Lord doesn't say in the scripture, take everybody on your journey and bring them up to speed to where you are. And, and who's to say that I'm even up to speed when in, in, in anything? So my job is to not try to convince them. My job is to do what he's called me to do. And, you know, one day there will be this reckoning, which is fine, and and we'll all be shown where we're right or wrong. But for now, what I need to do while I'm on on, on this plan, well, I cannot stop doing what the Lord's called me to do 
because I have a group of believers who, 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 who believe on some issues differently. And so I have to say that it really does frustrate me, that, that, that doctrinal thinking, because like you said, it just, I just feel it just robs Christians of the power that they have. I mean, can you imagine if we had Christians walking on this, on, on this planet, casting out demons, setting the captives free, bringing down the high places because we know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but you know the lord knows where everybody's at and 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 holy spirit will work with them and i've got to keep praying that i'm i'm growing and, and doing what he's called me to do and i can't spend my time focusing on because i believe that's the enemy loves to create that division and see how he can distract people by focusing on 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 irrelevant issues so what do you what would you say is the foundation then of what the foundation because again we're not going to agree on the, on the doctrinal position on many areas so, oh, okay so what are the foundational things that we can agree on that we can we can i don't know build a bridge that we can actually work together on well i think we all believe who god is that we all believe that he's the father and he's the creator the great i am and he's the one who sent, sent forth his word which is his son that the word of god is truth we all believe that we all believe there's one truth but I think we all have different truths within that. And so we've got to get to what is true. Uh, then we have to, we, we all believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he, he redeemed us. And we believe that we, we are promised eternal salvation. Um, and I believe that pretty much many of us believe in, in what is right and wrong based on the law of God. Okay. How we work all those details is where we differ. But yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Foundations. Any other things you think of? No, no, but I think that's good. I think sometimes we need to focus on those areas because sometimes it's impossible to break through doctrinal. The Bible says that the traditions of men have made the word of God of no effect. Mm-hmm. Notice the tradition of men, not the tra- not the traditions of God, the mm-hmm. traditions of men, and doctrines when it's not founded on God's word. Or should I say that if if any doctrine is held in tension, mm-hmm. it's not. The word of God, mm-hmm. right? Because then, a doctrine that has in full harmony with all the Scripture is a doctrine that is worth looking at. But again, mm-hmm. Scripture becomes the foundation. And and I know if, so I heard someone once say, and it's so true that uh, if you want to look at if you want to look at um, what to do in life, you look at Christ. Mm-hmm. He is the blueprint in which we should live our life. And if we did that, if everyone did that, wow. And, and I think also at the same time as when we walk, we always need to walk with this, the sense of what can we learn? Mm-hmm. And I, even for me, you know, what can we learn? What can we learn in these situations? What can we learn from these people or, or that person? Or, um, and how does that compare with the scripture? Mm-hmm. I think this, the scripture is, is the foundation. Right? And, and, and I think that uh, the other thing that really brings us all together is we do all believe that we should go into all the world and preach the gospel. Because it doesn't matter whether you have, what, what doctrinal platform you come from if you are within the church of the body of of jesus christ everybody believes going to all the world and preach the gospel and if we were just focusing on on going to all the world and preaching the gospel even if we believe in it doing it in different ways that makes a huge impact for this world and really that is what is important yeah i remember remember the guy that once we spoke to um uh one of these missionaries he was in actually a hardcore place where a lot of um ISIS was were killing Christians, mm-hmm. and we asked him, "What do you need? Do you need uh, prayer? Do you, do you need money? What is it that you need?" He said, "No, nope, I don't need either of those. I need 
bodies. Feet on the ground. I said, okay. Um, and he says, don't worry about any doctrinal things because here mm -hmm. there's no doctrines. There's no Anglican. There's no method. There's no covenant. None of that kind of stuff here because we're on the ground. We are helping the poor. We are helping feeding people. We are bringing them closer to the Lord. We are speaking about the Lord. That's it. We haven't got time to get caught up in the doctrine. So what's happening is because the, the church is idle, mm -hmm. um, now people are, are talking about doctrinal stuff. Mm -hmm. But when you start being busy, you haven't got time mm -hmm. to focus on doctrinal Exactly. Issues. And when we see the persecution of the church in North America, although people say, Catherine, that's not persecution. When you see the persecution of the church in North America, what does it do? It brings people together. When when the governments shut down the churches and close the churches because of, you know, they felt that Whoa, they had the right okay. to. That's another topic for another day, right? But anyway, when they did that, you saw mm -hmm. many, many denominations come together. Irrespective of what their beliefs were, it's like, we believe that the government has no right to close the churches. Yeah, it wasn't amazing. We saw Pentecostals <laughs> with Baptists. With, with Reform, with getting together and praying I thought wow mm -hmm, isn't that it mm -hmm, brought them mm -hmm, together it's like mm -hmm. such, such a sense of unity mm -hmm. but doesn't the scripture say towards the end of times that's what's going to happen there's going to be a bigger persecution on the church and I believe that's going to bring a closer unity mm -hmm. right? and so then we've, we start to focus on what do we agree on rather than what do we we do. I think the devil's done two very good things one that he's managed to convince North America that he doesn't exist that he's not real and he spent a lot of time doing that because many Christians don't even believe there's such a thing as the demonic spiritual world. And the second thing that, that, that Satan's done is he's managed to divide, create division amongst Christians. Because can you imagine the power we would have together if we were unified in going and preaching the gospel to all the world? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine? And so he's managed to divide the church. I mean, how many thousands of denominations do we have? So less focus on the differences, more focus on what he's called us to do. Because that's what the ecclesia body of Christ has been called to do. Okay, and I think that, that concludes it and that wraps it up. So um, I'll close in prayer this time because you closed in last time. Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your blessing and your favor. I pray, my Lord, to touch the people there, even the Calvinists that are listening. Lord, touch their hearts. Bring them closer to your son, Yeshua. And may we all walk in the authority that you have given us. I thank you, my King, in Yeshua's name. Amen and amen.